This week's episode is on humility, which is the opposite of pride, and a really difficult thing to pursue in any relationship. Too often, our focus in marriage is more on what we can get for ourselves rather than how we can serve our spouse. Ryan's lesson really focuses in on the opportunities we have to be little pictures of Jesus to each other in our marriage. That sounds sweet, but it's really hard to do. So let's listen and learn. Humility is a difficult topic because it is complemented by the the fact that if you talk about humility, you kind of have to talk about pride. So pride and humility, what, what does that look like and how does that show up in marriage? I was actually, I was at the gym um, not too long ago. I was on one of the uh, the stair machines. And as I was kind of minding my own business, going through my workout, I, I noticed across the room, there was a, a man, he was, he was a young man. He was taking the 45 pounders and putting them on a squat bar that was about maybe neck level. And he put a 45 pounder on one side and put a 45 pounder on the other side. And then he put another 45 pounder on and a 45. And so Pretty soon he had like five 40 pound weights on one side, five on the other. Uh, it might've been six, I lost count. I was thinking this, there, might, there might've been about 600 pounds on this bar. And so I'm sitting here on the stair machine, I'm completely forgetting about my workout. I'm watching this guy, is he gonna lift this? He wasn't huge, he was kind of, a, he was kind of big, but he, 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 he loads up the bar, picks up his towel and, and walks out of the room. That was it. I started laughing. I'm like, either this guy's hilarious, or he's a jerk, or he's a, he's proud as a peacock. You know, he he, may, he there's a there's a good chance he was putting all those weights on that bar just to kind of get that satisfaction of being that one dude in the in the place that could lift all that weight. I know I've been tempted to to do the same thing. Uh, just when I'm done with the workout to leave the weight on a, on a larger weight than I was actually lifting. I haven't done that recently, but it's one of those areas where the gym is one of those places where there's almost like pride without shame, just kind of put out there on display. I like look at my muscles and yet you don't have to be in the gym to see pride. You see pride everywhere. You see pride when you're driving around, the way people are driving, what they're wearing. You see pride at at the office, you see it in church, it gets more disguised. There's more of a disguise put over it in certain places. People know not to show off in certain places, but they get more sophisticated about how pride shows up. Maybe they unnecessarily quote a Bible verse just to show that they know it. Pride is all over the place, but the the place that it obviously shows up that I want to talk about is it shows up in our marriages. If, if we have pride, we're not going to conceal it from our spouses. Your spouse sees your pride. You don't. I doubt you see your pride. I don't see my pride. Pride is one of those things that we are fundamentally blind to. Pride is like bad breath. Everybody else knows you've got bad breath, but you don't. Everybody else can smell it, but you can't. That's the same way with pride. The difference between pride and bad breath, though, here is that pride emanates from a deadly cancer that will kill us if we don't address it. You know, it's, it's no wonder that where there's pride in our marriages, there's friction, there's tension, there's lots of talk and very little listening. Ultimately, there's just a lot of selfishness where you find pride. 
It's not a surprise that James 4, chapter 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We need to know what pride is and what humility is. But as we talk about humility, we need to know that God wants us to be humble. We should be humble in our marriages and in our lives, but it just simply doesn't come naturally to us. So as I move forward here, I want to contrast, compare and contrast pride and humility so we have a clarity about what it looks like. What, what, what is this? What is pride and what are we called to in being called to be being humble? How does that look in marriage? First of all, let me just define it. Pride is a hunger for glory and a persistent need for respect and assurance that I matter. A proud person needs to know that he or she matters because they want glory. They want, they want to be filled up with the sense that I'm somebody. And so you are not proud simply when you're full of yourself. You're proud when you're just striving to be seen and to be heard. Philippians chapter two, um, <clears throat> Verses three and four, well, we're going to look at it a little later, but it, it, it calls pride selfish ambition and vain conceit. Those are synonyms for pride. Selfish ambition being like driven for your own personal gain, but then the other side of it is vain conceit or vain means empty and conceit means, uh, it means empty glory. So basically pride is an insecurity, a fundamental deep insecurity about who we are and not knowing if we are okay, if, if we really matter. And as a result, that sends us on a quest to find our glory and our identity in things like our careers or in our looks and our sense of humor and our intellects whatever it is you define yourself with. And one of those areas we might try to define ourselves is in our marriages. My pride shows up in marriage when I feel like I need to be recognized as a good husband. Pride shows up in my job, in my vocation as a minister. It shows up everywhere, but it's driven by a fundamental insecurity about who we are. There's a need for glory. And according to scripture, God created us as glorious. We were never meant to die. We were never meant to fade. But the moment we sinned and turned away from God, we began to fade. We began to die. If you consider the light that comes from the moon, you know, and you've seen a, a full moon and the way it lights up everything. It's, it's almost not bright as day, but it's, it approaches that. Imagine if the moon had the ability to turn away from the sun and say, hey, I don't want your light anymore. I'm going to give off my own light. What would happen? The moon would turn dark. It would fade. Because the only light that we get from the moon is a reflected light. The only glory that we have is a reflected glory. It's a glory given to us by God. When we turn away from finding our identity and our glory in God, we fade and we become we have this vain conceit and empty glory that pushes us to find our meaning somewhere else and it never, it never works. So take that definition of pride and contrast it with this. Humility is simply, it's having an accurate estimate of one's worth. It's finding your worth in the right place. And when you do that, when you're looking to the one who makes you worthy, to the one who gives you glory, 
you know yourself. You know that you, I, if, if I'm humble, I'm humble because I know I'm a sinner and I know I stand before a holy God and take it a step further. It's because I stand before a holy God who loves me in Christ. I can actually look at myself and see myself for who I am, strengths and weaknesses, um, you know, all those things, the, the, the good and the bad. I can look at all that and know that I am who God made me and my glory comes from him. When I'm weak, he is strong. So humility is knowing who you are, having an accurate estimate of your worth. And what, what this looks like, pride and humility when we approach God, I'll just contrast them this way. A proud person when they approach God, imagine them saying something like this, God, I, I wanna have a relationship with you, so look at my accomplishments, God. Look at what I've done. Look at what I haven't done. If you approach God with a look at my resume, I, I, I've been good for you. If you, look at, if you approach God that way, that is pride. God's response will be something like, you don't, know, you don't know me. You certainly don't know yourself. And most significantly, you don't know what the cross of Jesus Christ means. On the flip side of that, imagine coming to God saying, Lord, I repent. I need your grace. I have nothing with which to merit your favor but I ask you to save me, to have me for Jesus' sake. Right there, that's humility. That's approaching God saying, I don't deserve this. I need your grace. And God delights to give grace to the humble. I've heard it said that the only thing that can destroy you eternally is a lack of humility. You can lack almost anything, but if you lack humility, you won't approach God. In fact, God's plan of salvation is basically to lift up the humble. I hope I'm not beating this to death. I think this is important for us to get. Our need for humility, I think, is greater than our need for, de for deliverance. Our need for humility is greater even than our need for deliverance. What I mean is, I don't know if you've ever struggled with a sin, a habit, some sort of, maybe it's an addiction, where you've tried to quit, but you've, you did so unsuccessfully. I think that, that's God's merciful way of saying, you need me. You can't do this on your own. You're trying to change out of your own resources, out of pride. And one of those places where we fail to change or we get stuck is in marriage. Marriage is often the very place that God exposes to us our pride, and it's the very place that He'll break us of our pride. God willing, it's the place where He wants to make us humble. So what do those characteristics look like in marriage? A proud person puts himself first. A humble person will put their spouse first. A proud person is trying to ask, how can I get my way? How can you make me happy? A, a humble person is asking themselves, how can I bless my spouse? How can, I, how can I make her happy? A great verse for this, and I referred to this a couple minutes ago, Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This shows up in small acts of service, just simply putting the other person first, because it's not about you. It's, 
you want to serve your spouse. That's humility in action. Here's another one. The proud are quick to talk and slow to listen, while the humble, they're quick to listen and slow to talk. Proverbs 18:2, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. A proud person trusts what's coming out of their mouth. They don't need to hear anything. They get it, right? A humble person realizes, I don't think I understand everything. So Proverbs 15:31 says, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. You realize I need teaching. I need to hear more than I simply need to speak. They're going to be quick to listen. They trust that they don't have all the answers. James 1:19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Here's the next one. The proud are self-protective and insecure, while the humble are vulnerable and courageous. Self-protective and insecure. I, defensiveness comes to my mind. I fight to be right. Proverbs 12:15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. I'm right in my own, my own eyes. I, I'm going to fight until you see that I'm right. That is self-protective, insecure pride. Now, on the flip side of that, calling humility vulnerable and courageous, that might sound strange. Maybe you don't picture humility as being courageous, but the truth is, it is absolutely courageous to be humble. Humility is courageous because it will fight but it will fight not for me, but for us. A humble person is courageous because they're willing to fight for the relationship, not to be proven right, but to, be, to make things right between you and me. They will fight for oneness. It says, uh, Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What would have happened to us if Christ came and fought to be proven right? If Jesus said, you know what? You, you guys, you're the sinners. I'm right. And I'm going to stake my, I'm going to hold my ground and make sure you know that I'm right. What would have happened? We'd be lost in our sin. Because what did Jesus do? Instead, he he laid down that, that need to be proven right. He was actually, he walked his way all the way to the cross, being condemned as a criminal. Everybody thinking that he's wrong. He got stripped naked. That's a picture of vulnerability. His arms were nailed open for us. That is a, not a non-self-protective love. That's a picture of vulnerability, and that's the ultimate form of courage and humility because he was fighting for reconciliation, not to be proven right. Next, proud people are focused on their spouse's sin, while the humble person is focused on their own sin, focused on my sin. A, a proud person waits for their spouse to confess, and they resist offering forgiveness or seeking forgiveness. But if you're humble, you're quick to confess and quick to seek to ask for forgiveness. I really, at this point, I need to just pause and warn you against one thing. Please don't be thinking, boy, I hope my spouse is listening right now. We all have a tendency to think, I hope my spouse is getting this. 
But the truth is, this is, this is for me. This is for you and me. When I started coming to re-engage, it was two years ago, my wife and I started coming. I, I kid you not, my, my hope was that Brandy would see that I'm actually a really humble guy, which is embarrassing now. I was hoping that she would see I'm, I'm, that really she's, she's a bigger, she's got a bigger problem than, than she thinks. I mean, those are the thoughts that were going through my mind. And I've talked to many of you who have said the same things. And it's embarrassing, but it's true. This is about us. Let God deal with your spouse and, and let him convict them. But for, for me, I know that I need to focus on my own sin. When I'm focusing on my spouse's sin, I am just blazing forward in my pride. Next, proud people feel entitled. They feel entitled to it. They deserve a great spouse. Wow, humble people are thankful for the spouse that God's blessed them with. If you feel entitled, you deserve to have a, a better spouse, or you deserve to have a certain type of spouse, you deserve better. If you have that, you're gonna hold your spouse in contempt if they don't live up to your standards. Uh, it's ugly, but the flip side of that, gratitude, being thankful for the spouse that you have. Uh, James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun. God has given us a wonderful gift in our spouse. When there's the, the struggles, that's also a gift from God. But to feel entitled says, you know, I deserve more. That's, that's pride at its ugliest. Here's another, proud people are critical. Humble people are gracious. A critical person can be insensitive, irritable, and harsh. They think things like, I'd never do that. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5 says, Love is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. That's, that irritability leads to a, a critical spirit. But the gracious person takes Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. A gracious person is patient, gentle, compassionate, you know, being careful not to assign bad motives to your spouse, that's, that's gracious. Let me get to this last one. Proud people are either puffed up or they're self-deprecating. While humble people are self-aware and at the same time self-forgetful. A proud person is filled with an empty glory. They're puffed up. And actually, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 uses a term for pride that means literally to be overly puffed up, to be um, puffed up to the point that you're going to pop. Like picture, uh, you know, sticking a balloon pump in, in, in you and just pumping you up until you're going to blow. Well, that's the image that should come to mind when we think of pride is a person who is filled up with empty glory that they want to matter. And even if they're getting everything they want, deep down they know that they're empty. That person is puffed up. But let's say you don't get what you're looking for. If you're looking to your career to give you a sense of pride, of glory, what happens when you get fired? Do you suddenly become humble? 
no, your balloon just popped. Now you're empty and you're deflated, but you're still empty. The truth is we were meant to be filled with God's glory. And when we are finding our meaning and our worth in Him, He fills us in a way that we actually begin to forget about ourselves. You know, it's interesting that right now as I'm talking to you, I'm not thinking about my knees. I'm not. I have not yet thought about my knees until right now. And you know why that is? Because my knees are working just fine. Okay? When, when do your knees call attention to themselves? When there's something wrong with them, when they're not working right. When you hurt your elbow, your elbow starts calling attention to you, right? Why is it that our egos are constantly calling attention to us? that I didn't get what I deserved, or why did he snub me, or listen to that compliment, maybe it's true. I'm thinking about myself entirely too much because I'm searching for meaning, for pride, and it's empty glory. But when I'm filled with the glory of God, I know who I am, I know that I'm loved, and I know that I can begin focusing on God and focusing on other people. I can forget about myself. C.S. Lewis said, we're not humble people, they don't think less of themselves, they just think about themselves less. That's awesome. That's, that's a beautiful picture of humility. We can just think about ourselves less and begin focusing on God and loving our spouses and loving other people. That's a humble person. I, this comes to mind. Uh, when I was uh, new on staff here, this is like 20 years ago. I've been on staff for 20 years now. And so this is early on. I was a high school intern and I was being asked to, to, to preach every, maybe every other week, every third week. And I, it started off and I was really nervous and I was preparing my messages and it was going really well and I was getting good feedback from people. That started to go to my head. There's a, a proverb that says that, that uh, praise tests the heart of men. Well, my heart was being tested and I think I was failing because I started to think, I started to believe that when I speak, gold comes out. I wouldn't have said that. But it was reflected in the fact that after a few talks, I began to prepare less. And I remember one Sunday morning, I was speaking, and it was a message I didn't work on much. I was up there all confident, and I was preaching. And about halfway through my lesson, I look out, and I see about three or four, four rows back, the daughter of one of our church's leaders, like one of my boss's bosses, you know, like somebody, that person's daughter, was in the fourth row and she looked like this. She was going, like she was dozing off in the middle of my talk. And it was like, there was a highlighter on her face. I just immediately noticed her and I panicked and I heard a voice in my head say, you have no idea what you're talking about. And I realized I, I didn't, I had no idea what I was talking about. I, I, I panicked a little, I looked over at my notes and all I saw were black and white dots. and. I couldn't read and I just began to get really faint and I, I passed out up there in front of all these high school students. There might have been 200 students. I came to, I sat down on the edge, you know, I sat down on the edge of the, toward the front and I began to profusely apologize to everybody and I, I kind of got myself back together and, and finished my talk, but I was mortified. I remember it was a few days later, I was, I was like brushing my teeth, getting ready for, uh, for work and, and I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, people must think I'm so stupid. And my good friend, John Dansby, knew what was going on with me. And he said, hey, Ryan, get over yourself. Nobody else is thinking about you right now. <laughs> the most loving words someone could have said to me. 
Forget about yourself. People aren't thinking about you. It's not about me. And that's what we need. Humility is a beautiful thing. It's, it's self-forgetfulness. How do you become humble? How, how, and how could that humility bless us in our marriage? Well, one step here is that we need to look to Jesus and adopt his mindset. We become humble by looking to Jesus and adopting his mindset. I quoted Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 earlier. Paul calls us to be humble by considering other people more, as more important than ourselves. And the very next verse, he says this, verses 5 through 8, he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Adopt this mindset, think this way, that Jesus Christ was the only one who truly had glory, and he let go of that. He emptied himself of his glory so that and he went and he poured himself out. The glorious one uh, was emptied and he humbled himself to the lowest point you could possibly imagine. So that I, who, me, not having any glory of my, in myself, could actually receive his glory. I get Jesus' glory because he emptied himself out for me. When I look at Jesus and what he's done for me, I don't think that I'm the man with the answers anymore. I don't think I'm righteous. I don't think I'm anybody to brag about because I see what Jesus has done for me. He loved me so much that he emptied himself out for me on the cross and I was such a sinner that he had to empty himself out for me on the cross. I've heard it said that for every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Jesus. I think that's really good advice. If you wanna become humble, take a serious look at Jesus and adopt his mindset. Why would we want to do that? Why, we want, why would we want to take on his mindset? Well, one, because he loved us that way. That's how he's loved us. Jesus humbled himself, and, and humility is our way to love him back. But another reason is because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. It's foolish to be proud. God opposes us. So the second point here is how we become humble. How we get that cure is we remember that God loves to exalt the humble. He lifts you up when you humble yourself. Look at Philippians 2 verses 9 through 11. It goes on and says, Therefore, God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is a true challenge for us that we can look to Jesus and remember and trust that if we humble ourselves, God will, he'll lift us up in his timing. We don't have to lift ourselves up. Let me have you walk away with this one challenge. How, how do you really want to apply this? Well, one difficult way, but tangible way you can do this is to sometime this week, ask your spouse, how would you like to see me how would you like to see me become more humble? Where would you like to see more humility from me? Give them time to answer that question. That's not easy. 
And let me also encourage you, pray for the humility to listen to your spouse's answer. If you do that, you're taking a real step into humility. Let me pray. Father, um, I thank you that you speak to us where we most need to hear it. I'm proud. I'm a proud person. That's, it comes naturally to me, and I know it comes naturally to every one of us who are listening. But Lord, you, you dealt a fatal blow to our pride when you sent Jesus, the only one who had good reason to be proud. You sent him, and he came in humility and emptied himself out for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to look seriously at Jesus and may that humble our hearts. And would you help us to trust you that you will actually lift us up and, and allow that to transform us so that it shows up in our marriages. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.